been said before that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Do you choose your friends wisely? What if I told you that the relationship your friends have with money impacts your personal finance decisions too? In this episode, we'll discuss how the intersection between our friends and their finances plays a crucial role in our success with money. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman. And I'm your co-host, Jimmy Turner. And I let him do the pre-intro today. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Yeah, you're moving up in the world. Took four shows. I let you run it. It's all good. Enjoy. So Jimmy and I are back for another Wednesday segment, and we're really excited because we're going to be discussing all about social arbitrage. But before we jump in, it's time for that important disclaimer. Take it away, Jimmy. The show is not personalized financial advice for you. In fact, this is for entertainment purposes and should only be seen as general education. Neither of us can give you any specific advice on your financial situation through the show. So if you aren't a do-it-yourself guru like me, you should consult an attorney, CPA, or a fee-only financial planner like Ryan before you go and make any big money decisions. All right. So today, our show is about social arbitrage. And is that even English? I, I think so. Yeah, I think it is. What's social arbitrage, Jimmy? So arbitrage in the financial world simply means buying something in one market and then selling it in another market for a different price. So ideally, you'd buy it at a low price and sell it at a high price at the same time, two different markets. So an example of this might be like if you bought gold at $1,000 in one market, you might turn around and sell it in a different market for $1,100 and make $100 just because you sold it or were interacting with that same thing in a different place. So today we're going to discuss social arbitrage. And that idea here is that we need to choose our friends wisely. So the behavioral sciences behind this kind of say that you know we are who we hang out with. We become who we hang out with. And so through the processes like brain coupling and mirroring and some other kind of scientific endeavors, we realize that, you know, we'll dive into that more later. But the point stands, your relationships with other people and their relationships with the money that they use actually impact your your view on money too. So how does this involve like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to. I wasn't expecting that one, Ryan. Nailed him. Uh, oh, you can tell yeah. this is totally not scripted because you should see. Kevin Bacon could tell you. Oh yeah. Six degrees, bro. I love it. Well, you know, friends influence our emotions and you can think back to those. Let's, let's just actually go with extremes, right? Someone who is super energetic. They're really fun. They're just like the life of the party. I love what you're talking about me like this. Uh, that, that wasn't where I was going with that, but oh, okay. sorry. And, and to me, those people they're it's infectious, right? You just want to hang out with them. You want it like they're friendly. They're, they're good people. And it kind of turns me into like a yes man. Like, yeah, I'll go do that. Sure. What, wait, what am I signing up for? Whatever. Let's go. Right. Versus the other person that's like constantly negative, Jimmy. And they kind of like, no, I'm just kidding. And they bring your mood down, right? The Debbie Downers is, you know, kind of the way it is. It's probably not socially correct to say that, but whatever. And it's like we absorb the feelings or emotions of those around us. And I think it's, it's funny. Like even when I read this, this study, years ago. And now when I get in like bigger social interactions, social circles, like I, I kind of see some stuff. So at FinCon, where we're just at, the idea that two people mimic each other, right? So if I touch my forehead, yeah. soon Jimmy will touch his forehead because Jimmy and I can see this as a recording. Well, it, you know, watching this at FinCon, someone scratched their eye, they scratch their eye. Someone rubs their nose, they rub their nose. It's fascinating to see like 
how much we are influenced by other people. Choosing your friends wisely is really, really important because you will start to mimic them, their habits. So surround yourself with people who have the habits you want to have. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And they've actually done some studies on this too. So brain coupling is is one of these ideas and mirroring, which is what you're mentioning. So you can go just Google mirroring on the internet. And I think there are images of President Obama sitting in an office with his legs crossed and his hands folded on his lap in a very specific way. And the other three people that are around him have the same exact leg crossed with their hands sitting the same exact way on their lap. And you just, you just mimic people that are around you and that's called mirroring. And so one of the simplest ways to kind of give this example is your children. So if you have kids, this happens to me all the time where like they do something and it's so annoying and I'm like, oh, that's because I do that. That's my habit. Or that's your, that's your mom's habit. I've seen that before too. You know, it's kind of fascinating, but you really do become who you hang out with. And so it's important to choose your friends wisely. And the brain coupling idea is something that we know is true. And we say all the time, right? When you meet somebody and you hit it off or we're on the same wavelength, the same frequency, or, you know, that person just gets me love at first sight. Like all of these things are a way to basically hint at the idea that our brains are telling us that we're meshing with somebody and that we're on the same page and we're able to, I mean, there's so many ways to say the same thing in, in the English language because it happens so much. And so when we hang out with people that make financial decisions, one direction or the other, they save a lot, they spend a lot, they wait to buy a house until their loans are paid off. Uh, you're going to be more likely to do that. And, and in the physician finance world, that's actually really dangerous because physician financial literacy is so bad that we have lots of really bad examples. We just kind of follow Dr. Jones into some really bad decisions sometimes. Yeah. It's hard to see the cars in the parking lot, right? You drive up and you're like, Tesla, BMW, Mercedes, BMW, Toyota. What's wrong with that guy? Yeah. And you see it and then you kind of get a little pressured. Like, well, maybe I do want a new car, even though the car isn't your thing, right? Well, for you it is, but for most people, it's not, but they're going to be influenced by that. And why well, I had Sarah Fallon talking about, you know, the, with the next millionaire next door, and she was kind of, you know, giving us some some info on like, you know, what that next that millionaire next door looks like, and how it's so unassuming, right? On on what it is, they're not driving those things. But when you compare, physicians are are great. If you know, if it's good enough for Jimmy, it's good enough for me, you know. And they, and they have that mentality, and and it. it pains me to even say that, but it's very, very true. And you know, so when you see it, it, it's hard to break that habit and it's hard to break that cycle. It's our emotion, right? New car, new car, new car. I'm driving a 10-year-old car. Like I want a new car. So I think it's challenging because we talked about this before, but the idea of wealth and actually owning something. So you see these people living in these houses, driving these cars that they likely don't own. And so that causes perception issues because the other people you know, like Sarah Falal, you know, would say is like, you're like, you're living. So it's stealth wealth. People that have lots of money typically don't, you know, it's not very loud because it's actually the money's gone somewhere else. It's called a savings account or, you know, investments or, you know, paying down their student loans. Those aren't things you can actually see. And so it makes it hard to, to mimic, to brain couple, to mirror those people. Cause unless it's being talked about, which is, which is why I'm big about talking about with my residents because I don't want this to be a taboo subject. I want them to know what I'm doing. I was having a meeting with my chair the other day and he was asking me about part-time work because I'd mentioned that, you know, I potentially wanted more time. And he's like, well, you know, I just want to make sure that like you can afford that financially. Money's not taboo for me. So he's like, give me the golden ticket to have this conversation. I was like, well, you know, I'm going to be financially independent in my early to mid forties. And, you know, we save over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So yeah, we're, we're, we can afford it. And he's like, oh, like, you really practice what you preach, don't you? 
And I was like, yeah, but like, if we don't talk about this, then nobody's going to know that. And then the, the residents and the attendings that I work with aren't going to know there's a different way that doesn't look like a Tesla in the parking lot in a $2 million house at home. Yeah, like, and I have this book for $19.99 if you want to buy the $24.99, actually. Oh, whoa, sorry. It's cheapening you out here. <laughs> My bad. That's fired. It's all good. It's, it's worth the extra five bucks. Yeah, it's, it's 80% for 20. I mean, come on. I guess <laughs> that's fair. I, I could give you 80% off. Well, if you only read 20% of the book, then you only get 20% of the 20%. That's not a lot. Nailed it. All right. So when we were kind of talking about like how we want to approach the show, I found a study that I thought was really interesting by Solomon Ash. And I probably it pronounced his name incorrectly, but it was in 1955. So he might not be alive to actually know. But anyway, so there was study groups and is it was terrible? This You're just hating on dead people. This is good. It's terrible, man. All right. So there's a study that they, they put together. And basically, participants were shown three lines of different lengths. And then a fourth line was then shown. And they were asked, which of the prior three lines did this fourth line match up in length? And the kicker was there was only one real participant. And the other people in there were basically fake, right? They would state that the one true participant actually could give their answer but they all agreed on the wrong set of lines. And so the study was like, well, how did people react in this situation? And when the participants had the chance to guess the lines on their own, they were right 99% of the time. But when they were surrounded by other people who answered first, they kind of followed the crowd or they had to convince themselves that they were wrong. And the number that they were correct on went from 99 to 74%. That's fascinating. Mind-blowing. Kind of talks maybe a little bit about peer pressure, but I take this as looking as choose who you're around wisely, right? Because you're around lazy people or you're around people who are negative. You're around people who aren't the go-getters, who are matching your values or philosophies and what you want to be as a person. Yeah. You're kind of setting yourself up for not failure, but you're making that uh, as what our parents said, like I went you know, to school uphill both ways in the snow and right. you're just making it really tough on yourself. I think not surrounding yourself with good people. And if you can surround yourself with people that you really enjoy being around, but they also happen to be financially wise, why not? You know, I know that's helped my wife and me. You know, we have our two best friends, you know, when we were living in our 1100 square foot house with three kids and two dogs and, you know, uh, a garage is full of kids stuff. Cause it, you know, like the house was just pretty small, um, little starter home. Like I had people come over and they'd be like, Oh, this, you know, like you're an attending. This is, this is nice. It's quaint. They'd use you know certain words to yeah, say, say this wasn't very nice at all, actually. But we had our best friends. They got it. They knew we were paying off our student loans and that our plan was to buy a house and when our student loans were gone. And so we did that and they're doing the same thing now. They had a little more student loan debt than we had. So they're staying in their house. They're paying down their loans. And it's very easy for them to do that. And we don't discourage that in any way because I think that that's a smart financial decision. And it makes it easier, I think, for them knowing that even though we've moved, that we don't expect them to because they're doing the right thing. So we've seen that in our own life. Yeah. And you put it out here, right? You're the average of five people you spend the most time with, right? By Jim Rome, who's a motivational speaker. And yeah, so that's a killer quote. Uh, some of this we've talked with Nick True, who was a guest on the show. He's actually been a guest twice now. And we're going to talk about his killer video that he's done on YouTube because he's now this like mega YouTube star and just happy he still answers some texts every once in a while. Mapped out money. Yeah, it's killing it. 
Uh, and so we're going to jump into to that in just a second. But, you know, this comes back to choosing your spouse wisely. You've mentioned, you know, divorce. That is probably the single biggest trauma, not only to your relationship, but let's move that aside for a second. Yeah. But to your finances, right? Choosing your spouse wisely. And I joke about it all the time. And because she's not here or can't hear me, I, I can I can joke now. Unfortunately, she's probably going to hear this and then sla- smack me. But <laughs> it took me ten years to marry a doctor. Right? We've been together for seventeen years, married for seven. And even in the best man speech, I was like, "Oh yeah, she's just a doctor." It took you ten years, and I joke. I had to make sure, which I didn't. We knew this long, long ahead. Uh, but we were compatible from the beginning. We've been together since we were freshman year in college, and. If we weren't compatible on a relationship financial standpoint, not just, you know, do we like each other and does this work? It would be very tough to do some of our long-term goals to understand where we're going. Like she took seven, eight months off. She wanted to take a year, but after fellowship, she'd been busting her butt to do yeah. all this stuff to become a physician. And, you know, after three years of fellowship and 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 she we had two kids that were under two and she wanted to take some time off. I'm like, sure. Sure. Well, if we weren't on the same page and hadn't planned ahead for that, that would have been a huge source of contention fighting. It would have been terrible. But instead, I encouraged it. I'm surprised she lasted a full seven months or whatever it was. But, you know, you got yeah. to be careful. Well, and, and, you know, I think that a conversation I commonly have with people is uh, about expectations and reality, right? So if, if you expect one thing and reality is very different, you know, if you expected her to not take any time or you expect her to take five years and she took one, either either way, you know, if reality ends up being very different than what your expectations are in any given thing, you're going to be disappointed because I didn't know anything about this stuff until I was in, you know, fellowship. I lucked out. I married a saint, but Definitely better half. we have, oh my, you have no idea. Like, I know how terrible you think of me, but like, even still, she's a wonderful human being. Best person I know. No offense, Ryan. This episode is, is, you know, choosing your friends wisely. And I'm like, hmm. Did I choose the wrong spouse to hang out with here on the show? I take that. That hurts. No, that hurts a lot. I'll edit. No, I won't edit that out. But don't edit that. It's okay. We don't edit anything. <laughs> Just let it roll. Why not? So we actually have very different spending habits, which is interesting. So we're talking about you know mirroring and choosing our friends wisely and social arbitrage. And so my wife and I have very different habits. So she spends money all the time. She nickels and dimes us all the time. I don't do that. I don't spend money very often. But when I do, I spend a lot of money. So I, I go buy a truck <laughs> or I go buy a TV or I go buy, you know, whatever. A truck. Um, and so it's, it's interesting that we don't have the same exact spending habits. It doesn't look exactly the same, but where we are the same is in our philosophy, like what we're trying to do and the age by which we want to be financially free and what we did with our debt and that we had to stay within that that bigger picture financial budget. So we don't budget, we do something called backwards budgeting, where as long as we take care of the big picture financial stuff, we spend our money however we want after that. But at the end of the day, like even though our day-to-day spending habits don't look the same, our philosophy is. And so that makes it easier to be on the the same page and to, you know, kind of social arbitrage in that way with with my with my wife. Yeah, I love it. So switching over to our journal club. We're going to be discussing a YouTube video, like I had mentioned before, posted by my good friend, Nick True, called The People Around You Are Keeping You Poor. Now, I know Nick. This is pretty cynical of him to, to do it, but it's clickbaity. It's YouTube. It's, you know, Roll with the punches. But I thought this was a great video. Probably my favorite video that he's ever done. 
and he's put out a lot of really great content. So I will definitely make sure to tag this everywhere because I think this is an awesome one. But what'd you think of the, what'd you think of the video? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I love Nick. I met Nick in person several times and he just kind of keeps it real. He's just uh, that kind of guy, but he talks about your friends and he basically says like, look, there are, you know, some things that you want to focus on. And he spends a good bit of the video talking about the importance of, of the friends you have and how they impact your life. They, he starts out with that same quote by uh, Jim Rome, but at the end of it, he gives some helpful advice. He says, what do you need to do if that's not your current situation? Let's say that you've socially arbitraged poorly. Like you, you realize that your friends have very bad habits and what should you do? And he lists three things. And so the first thing he says is that you should remove toxic friends or toxic people, which I found really interesting. What, what did you think about that, Ryan? That's a tough one. And again, being an advisor, everyone kind of thinks like, I don't make mistakes, but I totally make mistakes. And most of them are not financial, but I make a lot of non-financial mistakes. Just ask my wife. Huh. But sometimes you make financial mistakes and do things. So like when you were saying, well, you, you tend to go out and you buy a TV, you'll buy a truck or whatever it is. Like I buy the latest phone. That is my kryptonite because one, I justified in my head, which is terrible that I'm on it all the time, which I shouldn't do, but I use it a lot. So why wouldn't I want the nice, great, newest and latest and greatest thing? Now, I don't go off and showing it to everyone like, hey, look what I got. But it does truly make me happy. And that's that 10% thing that that you kind of talk about. I have a Motorola. It's so fancy. You've never seen something like this, have you? Hey, look, you can see yourself. What What is that? I can literally see, God, that's a handsome guy. Yeah, I can see myself as we're, we're showing each other on video. This is just super awkward that we can see each other through so meta. That's like my my thing, right? But toxic people, I've had plenty of those in my life. And it is really hard emotionally to get rid of those people. Mm. I, I've known some of them since high school. Yeah. Right? And, and we just went in different directions. And then we got back together and it was like, yeah, we have you know stuff in common or maybe one thing specifically in common. I have friends that I used to I grew up playing video games with and I love those guys, but they are still sitting there for hours and hours and hours playing video games. And they're like, hey, you want to play something? I was like, dude, I don't even own a system anymore. Like, I don't own anything. I work. I play with the kids. Like, So how'd you break away from that? You had, I had to literally remove myself and it was easy for those guys because... Uh, they like to play the, you know, this is back in original Xbox. They like to play that. And if I didn't have an Xbox, I couldn't play it. So what I do, I got rid of the Xbox, right? It, it, it's a tough thing to do that, you know, and all of a sudden it's like they woke up a year later. I was like, hey, where's Ryan? <laughs> right? And then they went back doing their thing. But removing toxic people is tough. And they just, they were not motivated. We didn't share any other ideals than, hey, we can have a good time and drink a beer and play, play a game or watch sports, you know, watch football, whatever. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It kind of goes with the next one that, that Nick has, and that's to limit your time with complacent people, people who are stagnant, no ambitions or goals. And they just, they're just floating. We all know someone like this. I had a conversation at FinCon with semi-retired MD, the, the couple. They talked to me about limiting beliefs. And I, I thought this it was a fascinating idea, which is, is kind of what Nick is hinting at here. We all have these beliefs that limit us, whether it's, you know, we don't have enough money or we don't have enough time or we don't have enough whatever. When you surround yourself by people that do that, that, that limit themselves and that don't have high expectations or ambition, you end up just kind of going through the motions and just kind of sitting there and not doing what you could do if you just 
got past those, you had some overcoming beliefs. So I, I really loved that idea by Nick. I mean, it's so true. If you surround yourself by people that are go-getters, they get stuff done and they have goals in life, then you're probably going to be the same way. Yeah. And so his last piece is just find new friends. And I like Nick because Nick is Nick does the new orientation. He's the community manager for FinCon, which has like 2,500 people in it. It's a bunch of financial nerds, essentially. He finds new friends every year. Nick Nick is like a walking magnet for new friends. Like everyone knows his beard. Everyone loves Nick. He's just one of those energetic people you just want to be around. He's just a really good dude. So it's easy for him to say, yeah, just find new friends, right? Yep. It's, hard, it's harder for some people, especially those that work from home or, you know, don't necessarily have a ton of interaction outside of it. But so you, don't, you don't have many friends, is that what you're saying? Yeah, shots fired. I guess, okay, I deserve that one. Kind of lined it up on a T right there. That's right. Out tea of the park. park. Knocked it out. But yeah, find new friends. And and so my favorite thing out of that is away from family is to go to FinCon. It is mm. by far my favorite conference. My favorite thing literally to do is to go there because I'm around like-minded people who are just fascinating. They're you know almost pretty much overachievers and they have a thirst for knowledge. Like it's just everything that I just am, want to be and everyone I want to be around is there. And, you know, Grayson Bell is a, a great guy. And he was saying, you know, we're basically in his dungeon 360 days a year. And then they let us out for five days and we can all get to hang out. And so we all go crazy and have a great time. And then we get back to it. But yeah, I've been trying really hard to continue to build relationships and make friends and then meet with those people one time a year or FinCon might be doing something West and East, hopefully. That'd be cool. But then I never see you. You're on the wrong coast anyway, but I'm on the east coast. That's the way I'm trying to 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 surround myself with new friends that are like-minded people. That's how I mean we met. Sure. That's how this started. I completely agree. I, I enjoy FinCon for that exact reason. You know, I enjoy the talks that they have too, but really it's about networking and being around people that they seem limitless. I mean, the stuff people are doing is insane. And you talk to somebody, you're like, that's a great idea. You're incredible. I want to be like you. Where have you been my whole life? Yeah. And and they're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you know, look at what you're doing. It's just a very encouraging atmosphere filled with people that don't place limits on their life. And I think that's so healthy. Exactly. So we're going to make sure that we tag Nick on social media. I know you guys know Nick. He's actually in our group. So ping him and tell him you like the video. I really, really want you guys to watch this one. It's a, it's a great one. And of course, if you're not following us on social media, please do that. Share the show with other physician families. I'm not even going to pretend that uh, we're going to say Jimmy's social tags. It's okay. We'll just tag him and you can follow him there. So anyway, have a great week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show, Journal Club, all that. So see you guys on Friday. See you.